0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Rockpile Talkpile, the official podcast of the Colorado Rockies subreddit. Uh, we are a community that talks about the Colorado Rockies, has some uh, places to watch the game together online, and hopefully you're here to join us today to talk about the Rockies too. Um, I'm Zach, my username is Zash17, um, got the usuals here, got John. What's up guys, Jay foster 15 Jason. Hey guys, I'm Jason, JSA17. Uh, joining us today, we got uh, Kyle too. What's up, Kyle?
1: Uh, yep, yeah, uh, Kyle and uh, Dinger's ball boy, and I'm really regretting that username mm. now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're memorable. We yeah. know who you are.
1: Yeah, we like even the, made
2: the Dinger Flare.
1: Yeah, now. I got to rep it, for sure.
0: <laughs> got to rep that for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, um, there's big news, but um, first we wanted to start with. Uh, Quick little segue. Um, hey, guys, what do uh, Fastball, Katie Tunstall, and Smash Mouth have in common? I don't know, Zach. What? They all have more hits than Ian Desmond. Got
2: him.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> it was better the second time, I tell you.
0: Desmond has yeah. been really bad. It's not pleasant. To put, a, he, to put an
3: actual number on it, Desmond is one for 19. Um, his only hit is a single, so he's got a... O fifty three average and oh fifty three on base percentage because he hasn't walked either. Uh and that, even
0: if he hit like ten in a row, I think he'd still not be out of two hundred. If he And that's our starting left yeah, fielder, BB.
3: Yeah. So and being that his only hit is a single, he's got an O fifty three slugging percentage as well. So he's got a grand OPS of one oh five, which I think uh outside of guys that have hit like once and pitchers that have happened to bat in spring training, he's
2: the lowest yeah how many how many at-bats do you think it would take for you to get one single
0: on spring training well me personally like <laughs> a lot okay but
2: <laughs> i feel like i could luck into one in like 50 and that's only what 30 more ab's than desmond 30, yeah just that would give you an o or o uh, O2O average yeah which desmond i feel like desmond i could luck thing. into one in 50 at-bats
0: just run really really fast uh the ian desmond way the ian Desmond way and filled with signals baby well, anyway, Ian Desmond is trying to change his grip around, um, and hopefully that'll help him. But we know that changing uh, grip actually helped somebody last year, um, and that somebody is coming back. The little pony, Carlos Gonzalez, is a Rocky again. Welcome back, Carlos. Welcome back, Carlos.
3: So I'll still play. I know I don't hate as much as you guys, so I'll kind of play that <laughs> advocate. Uh, I am not upset with the Carlos signing. We're paying him $8 million. He doesn't have any escalators. We're getting him, A, as a locker room guy, which Arenado and Blackman have talked about, which I think are two most important players right now is in terms of the future. Um, They've talked about him being a good locker room guy. He had a really good 2016. He had a really good 2015. He's changed his grip around in 2017 and had a, a phenomenal September to the point that he had the highest hard hit ball rate in the majors. He was the ninth most valuable position player in the majors, In September, Um, his swing rate draft in September, like a lot of what he did in September was was really good. And a lot of what he did in September was repeatable. Uh, Not to say that he's going to have that September every month, but it's something that carrying forward looks good. I am optimistic about the signing. I know you guys are.
0: I think we like the nostalgia aspect of it. You know, um, there's going to be a whole bunch of things that Carlos might achieve this year as a Rocky that'll like bump him up the list. Um, you got to make Nato and uh, Chuck happy. People are saying, like, why don't you sign the Nato extension now? I mean, I wish we could, but
1: <laughs> it, yeah, it would be nice.
0: <laughs> and when Carlos Gonzalez, even when he's in a funk, he still has like a good like attitude and he's still got that smile.
2: Uh, I feel like. There's a small fraction of a percent of my mind that thinks he's putting that on. I don't. I don't know Carlos, obviously, but he's a double agent. <sighs> you Remember, we offered that extension last year, and it was a contingent to moving to first base, and he turned it down because he said, "I'm still an outfielder."
1: And then we signed Ian Desmond. And then we signed
2: <laughs> Ian yeah. like... Who, yep, Desmond. Yeah,
1: thanks,
0: Carlos. Who's definitely a first baseman. Yep. Thanks, Carlos. So,
3: but in 2016, he put up 2.3 WAR in. Uh, 2015, he put up 3.1 WAR. So, I guess I can't really fault him for in his mind saying, "Hey, I'm still an outfielder, and I don't want to change that." Cargo's not—I mean, he's not young, but he's not old either, and he's not somebody that his defense declined last year. Um, but not like it didn't fall off a cliff or anything like that. So, I could see him saying, "Hey, I still want to play the position that I've played my entire career."
0: I'm sure we got used to a lot of Carlos Gonzalez saving plays that are just were incredible. He had made those diving catches. Yeah, um, and one thing
2: that's not going to pop up on defensive metrics is that little fake-out he does where he looks like he's going to catch a fly ball and then uh, it dings off, off the ball. board. or third day.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And there's just that you can't put in a defensive metric, but that saves a, ba- a ba- an extra base because the guy starts jogging and thinking Carlos is going to catch the ball, and then it dings off the the scoreboard and Carlos throws it into the infield and the guys standard trying in to figure it out. Guy.
3: And that's, I mean, cargo in his major league career has played left field, center field and right field. That's it. He hasn't played anywhere else. And I don't ever want to see him in center field. No. <laughs> yeah. That I mean, you wouldn't go back to that, but <laughs> <Yeah>. you, <laughs> that but when he, he like when he rookie. says like, Hey, I, I still am an outfielder. I, I don't know. It's cargo. So I give him a lot of benefit of the doubt, but I can't knock him for it.
0: It's it's hard to evaluate. I mean, his um, from 2016 to 2017. If you're using like inside edge, since like the the um, Elvin zone writing for cores isn't isn't great. His he fell from likely plays in 2016. He made all of them, and now he's down 81.8. percent And now his unlikely plays has fallen. Um, and some of that his, could just be due to age. I mean, I don't exactly. I don't want to say he's a bad defender
2: anymore. He's probably more like below average. Which is fine if you hit well enough, which is a question mark.
0: I mean, his zone rating did fall from negative 0.7 in 2016 to negative 1.5, but he's had much worse years too, so.
2: Well, and it's not like he's J.D. Martinez out there.
0: He's not J.D. Martinez. Or Dante Bichette. Dante.
3: (laughs) That's the real nostalgia, Dante (laughs) Bichette. That's the real nostalgia. How you can put up that season and have a negative two war is, it's impressive. Like, he should be in the Hall of Fame just for that season because nobody's going to do that again.
0: (laughs) Is hey, Carlos Gonzalez going uh, to hit that many home runs, though? What would you put the over-under on
2: of <sighs> Carlos Gonzalez home runs for 2015? See, teams? that's so hard. It's so hard because how many plate appearances did he get?
3: How many? How many? If he gets 600 plate appearances, I think Cargo hits 30 home runs. I honestly do. But if he gets Ooh. 200 was plate appearances? Was he signed to do that, though? Ooh. Was he signed Whoa. to do yeah. that? Yeah. Whoa. yeah, I'm saying it. Whoa. I'm saying it. Whoa. Cargo, again, in September, that hard-hit ball rate was, was through the roof, and remember when he put that ball in the th- in the third deck uh, against Cleveland? Foul it was just balling. yeah. I was actually I was at that game, and I remember we were sitting in left field for that game, and we both watched it go. Uh, obviously, it went foul, but we saw that ball, and we're just like, "Wait a minute, where did that just land?" When cargo connects with the ball, he can still murder the ball. And in September, like I said, his swing rate dropped, and his hard hit ball rate went up. So cargo. If Cargo gets 600 plate appearances, all right, maybe not 30. I'll say 25. How about that? Yeah. If he gets 600 plate
2: appearances. I would appearances, put the over 25. under at like 14 and a half. Yeah. Uh, I would take the, and I feel like I would slightly take under. So he, t- he hit, four, hit, like he hit 14. He hit 14 last year. Yeah, through. And had a.
3: Terrible season. He hit fourteen last year, so I would take the over on that all he day had long. Six
2: of them from August seventh forward.
3: Mm-hmm. Though. I
0: mean, if it's if we're talking about August seventh, we get the home run fly ball percentage um, going way up and the x velocity going way up after around a thousand batted balls. He looked a lot like himself in September, but and that's Jason is of the opinion that that's going to continue. And John and I are a little more skeptical. I, think.
3: I don't think it's going to. I don't. I. I don't want to say that it's going to going to continue because his September was unsustainable. I mean, it just was. Too good, but I don't. Too I, I don't good. think that. Too I don't good. think he's gonna have another April.
1: Well, and that's through five hundred. What thirty four plate appearances too, and so if he's only hitting fourteen home runs through that many, you know, times up to bat, I just. I don't see. I see one. I see that going down because we're gonna. we were gonna want to play Tapia over him. Try to get his bats, and then fourteen home runs through minimum at bats. I mean, like. The dude is a streaky hitter, and if he's coming off the bench, I don't see him breaking 10. And that's,
3: and that's where it's things. hard, and that's my qualifier, is if he gets 600 plate appearances, then I see him hitting certainly more than 14 home runs. But you just, it's, we have no idea how many plate appearances he's going to get.
0: I wanted a bench bat this offseason. I wanted uh, a right-hander, and I wanted Jonathan Lucroy. But you got Chris Iannetta and Carlos Gonzalez. Chris oh.
2: Iannetta had a great season last year. <laughs> he did. He did. But you know what would have been really cool is if we had Chris Iannetta and,
0: and Jonathan Lucroy, and then Lucroy would play first base and it would solve all our issues. But that would have made too much sense, <clears throat> and he went to the Athletics. What was it also? Six and a half. With no escalators.
3: With no, with escalators, no yeah. escalators, yeah. So that's, again, that's a case Ugh. of Lucroy doing what a lot of players have done this offseason and just misreading the market. So I – I don't know if he misread the market or if. I think, but I think he did
0: because. The market screwed him. He,
3: well, and that's it's it's him misreading the market and the market screwing him. In So I posted about this elsewhere, but you had Jason Castro who signed with the Twins last year. And Castro signed for three years, 24.5 million. And Castro actually put up a really good season last year. Um, but Lucroy, across his career, has been a better player than Castro. So when he saw Castro get three, 24.5 that would change what he's looking for because he's better we than offered
0: 321. We offered him 321, we so we
3: offered him less than Castro got last year. And then you saw from the team side, uh, Matt Wieters, who got 2 years, 21 million from the Nationals and then proceeded to have an awful season, put up Yeah, they regret that signing. Yeah, time. so you had Lou Croix seeing Jason Castro get 3 years at 24.5 million and Lou Crouse thinking to himself, well I'm better than Castro, I should get more than that. And then you saw Matt Weiders get two years at twenty one million and have an awful season. So you have the team side of teams saying, "Wow, look at what Weiders did." So between those two contracts, you have Luke Roy maybe overvaluing himself, teams being hesitant about giving contracts because of Weiders, and I think all of that made Luke Roy misread everything. So if, I mean, if I'm Luke Roy and I see Jason Castro get that contract last year, and then the Rockies offer me three twenty one, I could see why he turned it down. I I get it.
0: But if you're British, you just reapproach him and say, Look, the market changed. You're the best fit. You he would have cost less than Carlos Gonzalez. I love Carlos Gonzalez and he will have a dear place in my heart. But I think he's standing in the way.
2: Yeah, Kyle, would you would you take uh Jonathan Lucre at one eight million over Carlos or would you feel like that would be a lateral move uh,
1: I don't know and especially because I don't know like the timetable of like when we signed Ionetta to when we gave that contract offer to Luke Roy and I would much rather have December. two solid stable catchers and Ionetta and Luke Roy over a you know diminishing cargo and because you just don't know what we're going to get from cargo it's just a huge question mark and with a lot of people thinking it's not going to be good
0: and Murphy's yeah, defense is not good enough, and his offense doesn't seem like it's all the way there either.
1: Yeah, so I would basically
2: say it is okay. We have all these left-handed corner outfielders. We have a glut of them. I mean, that's the strongest position in our entire organization so it's paid from the for major for one league more. level. To, yeah. So, would you rather pay one million eight or one year eight million for a guy who adds to a strength of your team, or would you rather pay one eight to a guy who adds to a Redundancy. weakness? Yeah, because if you put, I just feel like, I love Cargo, I don't want to be too negative here, but I feel like if you took a step back and said, would you rather have a catcher who gets 300 ABs at Luke level, or would you rather have Carlos Gonzalez, 300 ABs a year for $8 million? Like, when I, feel like, first, I feel like is a better use of $8 million for 2018 than Carlos Gonzalez. I don't think I don't I don't don't disagree with you. It goes
3: back to you know we have uh, yeah we have too many left-handed outfielders. Um, If you put yourself into Brightish's head, though, it's obvious that he so badly wants Tom Murphy to be the guy. That I wonder if part of not signing Lucroy is I don't want to say forcing Murphy to show up, but like really you know giving him the the reason
0: to in, show up. In contrast to that, then you're saying that Dahl and Tapia are not Rockies.
3: That, yeah. I guess I worry less about Dahl and Tapia because Dahl is going to start this season in triple a regardless either way. And, I agree. And Tapia, I think knows that he has a place on the roster, but he just, I love Tapia. I love Tapia. I just don't know if he's a hundred percent there yet. So if you can move him up and down this year, cause he still has options. So if he goes back and forth this year, mm-hmm. I don't think it's the end of the world for Tapia. Whereas Brightish wants Murphy to be the guy. That's that's on his radar for sure.
0: I think it's interesting to me. Um, There's a, a point I was going through and I was driving when we have um, Ian Desmond, Gerard Parra, and Carlos Gonzalez, and they are all aging outfielders. And together they are worth $30 million now. And what dollar Tapia are making, like league minimum? That's kind of besides the point. My point is that you got three aging outfielders who are going to probably go in the DL a significant amount of time now. Yeah. And now you can swap out Dahl and Tapia as needed, or Talkman, or even Free J Pat, maybe. Um, I mean, what if Para never gets his strength back again and Desmond never gets his strength back again? I would, I'm not wishing injury on anybody, but I think it wouldn't be the worst thing if somebody faked a hamstring if they're still struggling.
2: You know, I read an article, I don't know, probably three years ago now. It's been a long while. But it was the most important thing to a championship winning team is depth and depth of quality players. So one thing I can say about having all of these outfielders is if Carlos Gonzalez goes down with an injury and he's on, he misses a month, well, and Tapia can fill in and probably put up the same similar numbers. If, you know, Ian Desmond misses a month, Dahl and Tapia again can make it. If you have Carlos and Ian Desmond out for a section of time, you have Talkman, Dahl, and Tapia. with, if so that's I mean, British that's land. And with, de- yeah, I mean, that's one thing I can put in his favor is, is that he's built really good depth. I mean, who else can say they can go six deep? Yeah, but at that's outfield. adding
1: depth to a position that you already had quite a lot of depth to. Like, you know, if Cargo goes down, yeah, that's one thing. But if, say, Nolan or Story goes down, we're pretty much screwed in the infield because then you have, Vileka, who's injured at the moment. Who's already injured. And Scott O'Malley, who's injured at the moment. You know, as our only really two viable, you know, infield depth.
0: Ryan McMahon at third. I was going to
1: say, McMahon can play third?
0: If necessary. But we still, like, we don't want him I to. just... Or you what about a right handed utility guy? Or you guy can go sign Neil Walker. Hello, yeah.
2: he's still out there. Hi, I'm Neil Walker. I'm a good Major League Baseball player. I put up two wins last year and a one... <laughs> 14 weighted runs created plus, which would have been the third best hitter in our lineup last year. Switch would have been nice. Yeah, I mean, think about if we signed a Neil Walker, he would be a better version of Pavleka because he can play every infield position. He probably wouldn't want him playing shortstop, just like I don't want Valeka playing shortstop. Mm-hmm. And then you can also put Neil in left field, just like you can with Valeka. So and when you with injuries
3: and depth, um, as much as we all dislike Desmond, I mean that's certainly something that you can talk about yeah. with him. Is that he can play short? I guess I don't know how much he's played second, but he can play short. He can
0: supposedly play first, and he can. When play, he can yeah, play he, shortstop, he can play second yes. well, no, When he played shortstop for the Nationals, he was like one of the worst shortstops of all time. Well, I think he
2: was real streaky on defense. I think one year he graded out as That's average. like the exact
0: opposite of what you should be on defense.
2: I understand. <laughs> we already have established that Ian Desmond is not the best player we've ever signed. It's becoming such an elephant in the room that you go
3: back to Denny Nagel and you go back to Mike Hampton and you wonder where Desmond falls with that. There was an article the other day that was – arguing that Hampton is still the worst but that um, mm. that Desmond has surpassed Nagel as second
2: worst oh my how funny. hyped how hyped were you that offseason 12 year old me was hyped uh,
3: I remember my dad making a lot of jokes about Mike Hampton's school joke <laughs> and my dad not being very excited about Mike Hampton so that was something Um yeah, me was I pumped, was really man. psyched about Denny Nagel. I remember being psyched about Denny Nagel.
2: Yeah, me too. I had a Denny Nagel poster in my basement as a kid. I I actually hope you still have that. I, I'd have to call
3: my mom. <laughs> mom, do you have that Denny Nagel poster I had? What are you talking about? Mom, do you have
2: all that Braves garb when I was a Braves <laughs> she fan? <friend? Yeah, laughs> she's single summer.
0: A terrible garage So there. Ian Desmond had um, two positive uh, Ultimate Zone rating. Uh, years as shortstop for the Nationals. He also 2010 was a negative nine and twenty eleven was negative four point five and a negative three point seven. He was he was not good. Were great. those were those twelve and thirteen? Were those two positive years, 2012
2: and 2013? Those are the ones. Guess what? Those were also his best hitting years. Hey so Maybe maybe Ian Desmond needs to play great defense to play
0: good offense. Well maybe he can be the the right hander that we need to face all these lefties. Was I mean, probably. I bet he plays.
2: I I would bet that they give Ryan McMahon the chance to hit lefties to start the year. But if he struggles through April, I bet you see Ian Desmond at first base every single time we play a lefty.
0: I think we have to. I mean, right now we have to have two. It's going to be difficult benching more than like sixteen million dollars at a time. You know, if you bench both Cargo and Para, or bench. Desmond and Cargo, or Bench, Desmond and Parra. You have to play two of them, basically, at a time, and I don't like that, and I don't like the fact that Carlos Gonzalez might be starting against Dodgers lefty pitching. Parra's making 12 this year, right? Not eight he was making 8, and now he's up to 12 now
3: I think yeah I think his contract was 8 10 12 oh, god, I think it's it worse Oh you know he makes he like, makes 10 this year and then has an option for 12 next year but it's a team option so that will be declined I swear to god if we pick up that team option I'm going to lose Yeah it. I I gosh I joke about right it's not Making good offensive <laughs> signings, so he might he might pick that up. Because <laughs> if he picks that up, I'm gonna. <laughs> there,
0: there a stat for quality of smile? Because if so, we're killing it right now. <laughs> really wins know. above <laughs> smile, wins above wass. <laughs> was. Um, well, anyway, we're gonna cargo. I don't want him starting as lefties because he's terrible against lefties. He did 26 weird runs created, plus it's terrible. He can't hit lefties. No. Um, maybe McMahon can. We don't have any righties. Um but we kinda wanna just segue into the uh splits of why we think we need a righty so bad. Is it that we hit lefties bad or is it something else? We'll find out. See y'all after the break. All right, welcome back to the Rockpile Talkpile. It's our second segment. We're going to talk about some stats and things like that, but uh, John wanted to start us off with some interesting information.
2: I saw this tweet this morning, and it's my favorite tweet I've seen in probably like three weeks. So we all saw that Lance Lynn signed for one year with the Twins. So it says, The Twins landed Lance Lynn, Logan Morrison, Addison Reed, Fernando Rodney, Zach Duke, Michael Pineda, Animal Sanchez, and Chris Heisey for a total of $55 million. Or... Thirty-eight percent of what the Padres paid Eric Hosmer. <laughs> Ooh. Hosmer is thirty-eight percent for like six players, which they already released. Anibal Sanchez, which is funny, but that's great. It's, it's funny how Hosmer has become.
0: Um, He's a Padre. Well, I don't want to. That's exactly like, what he needed to be, but,
3: and I don't want to compare him to Jeter because the Jeter thing is really funny. But it's Hosmer. <laughs> Hosmer could, you can could make somebody so mad by telling them that Eric Hosmer is a bad fielder. Because you'll have two camps. You'll have the people that like advanced stats. You'll have, well, you have three camps. The people that like advanced stats, the people whose phones blow up. And then
0: you'll have... <laughs> right. I've still talking about my phone for like eight months ago. God damn,
3: so right. but And then you'll have the, the camp of people that think Hosmer's got gold gloves, so he's a really good fielder. So Hosmer is one of my favorite players right now to just be like, yeah, Hosmer's not very good, and I can't believe he got $140 million. Because the, the reactions you can elicit from saying that are across the board hilarious
0: things you know we won in the offseason was not signing air Hosmer oh my gosh things we I lost been... in the offseason was not signing like a dudo or a lomo for a ridiculously low amount of money and getting like a right-handed power bat or somebody who can come off the bench and hit a home run or just
2: Luke Roy. is there any even right-handed how many right-handed power bats are there out there available whether through trade market or Same. anything Matt Holiday, Nice. Matt Holiday. There's another there's Haven't another guy seen... that if we
3: sign for a couple million dollars, I just I, I could I never were... be mad about it because it's Matt Holiday back in a Rockies <laughs> uniform.
0: I was a big fan of, of Carlos Santana. Oh. I, I thought that would have so been, been the only thing we need to do this offseason, but
2: God putting Carlos Santana at first base, who has a real good defense at first base, switch hitter who gets on base like Nobody's business. He would have just... Catcher third, uh, too. Oh, man. I dream about Carlos Santana in the Rockies uniform. So so, it would be yeah. so smooth. We have Sean O'Malley as a switch hitter. Do we? Have? Yeah.
3: So, who who else do we have on our roster as a switch hitter? Um, Dexter Fowler?
2: Yeah, I
0: mean, yeah. We <laughs> Alexi?
2: Just, we don't have anybody. <laughs> no. Maybe Neil Walker next week. That'd be cool. Oh, man. <laughs> would I, be good shout I, out, basketball. Jeff I don't
1: I don't...
2: Jan Vasquez? Yeah, I think so. He does something.
1: He's blue on our official batting order for the spring training game today.
2: Yeah, we all know about Jan Vasquez.
1: We we (laughs) almost (laughs) mentioned
0: him once. Maybe we stop mentioning him and he'll hit, like, five home runs. Um, So handedness is an interesting factor in baseball because the common knowledge is that a lefty pitcher has an advantage on a lefty hitter and vice versa and so a lefty bat having an advantage on a right-handed pitcher, usually. And we don't have that many right-handed bats in our lineup, and we have a a girth of left-handed outfielders. And we were looking into it, and thinking that we were going to be really, really bad as a team against lefties, we actually had the second-highest OPS in the league against lefties last year. And if you look at
3: those, the teams that... uh were with, with the exception I mean Detroit was first and obviously Detroit was really nice. really bad last year, but Houston, Houston, Cleveland, the Dodgers, Washington, St. Louis, the Cubs, um, all the teams that were with, with the exception again of Detroit, were all playoff teams last year. So teams that hit well against lefties, um had a really good shot at making the playoffs last year. So it's obviously an important, it's an important thing if you, I mean, if, it, if there's a little bit of cause and effect, correlation doesn't equal causation, but you can kind of look at it and say, hey, if you hit well against lefties, you had a good season last year.
2: Yeah, but how much of that was Nolan and Trevor? Cause and how much, Trevor, and Chuck, I mean. 1,034 OPS against lefties, and Nolan one thousand three thirteen, and, and Charlie Blackburn as a left-handed hitter, hit really well against lefties last year. Yeah, 1,023. Yeah. Oh no, that's versus righties. Nine fifty six. Which nine fifty six
3: as a lefty? I mean, nine
2: fifty six is good. Darn good. It's good anyway. Nine fifty six is a lefty on lefty
0: is really good. Well, Story good enough for a one thirty five weighted runs created plus. Yeah, yeah. Story had a yeah the one hundred forty five weighted runs created plus. His Babbit was BAB was four eleven though.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would. I'm sure there's a way I can find it. His hard hit percentage. I mean, you'll have a higher Babbit if you hit the ball harder, which is kind of the Carlos Gonzalez argument.
3: And yeah, I mean Gonzalez was hitting the cover off the ball in September and his BABIP, I mean his BABIP was 4.89 in September I think it was. So,
2: yeah, versus lefties, Trevor had a 51.8 hard hit percentage. Wow, that is and ridiculous.
3: And thats and that's a that's a thing where BABIP doesn't like you said it doesn't tell the whole story because if you're hitting the ball hard, your BABIP is going to go up. They're, they're going to fall Yeah, I mean, other.
2: BABIP's a good baseline, but there's just qualifiers with it's just like FIP for a pitcher. It's a good baseline, but there's qualifiers.
0: So with that, it's basically the one thing that Bud Black did change. Uh, he saw that Story had the uh, ability to hit lefties and started batting clean against lefties because he couldn't not. Um, and I think at the, the halfway lost pod we just almost had, we were talking about um, Carlos Gonzalez's role since he cannot hit lefties to any degree. No. And if you look at
2: the top four of our lineup, so whoever's leading off, please God let it be DJ. But if it's Charlie, he had a 135 weighted runs created plus versus lefties. If DJ hits second, who 136. If Nolan hits third, he had a 220, which is ridiculous. And then Trevor that 145. So you have one through four, whatever order you put them in, that can crush lefties. One, and- one
0: of the things I asked for in the offseason was don't have Charlie leading off. He's a great hitter, and he's got power now, and put him farther down the order. And I think today's lineup was him leading off again. So, yeah, peak of that lineup today.
1: So there's, yeah, that was, oh, go ahead. I was, yeah, I was listening to the radio. Uh, I think it was, I don't know, uh, last week or something like that, and uh, they were talking about how. Batting Blackman down in the lineup to, you know, have him have, you know, hit home runs when people are actually on base is a failure because he's the best, you know, leadoff hitter in the league. Uh, And doing so is a failure on the Britishers' part because they didn't pick up like a bat that they could use in that, you know, third, fourth spot. And I don't see it like that. Like, just because he did it in leadoff spot doesn't mean he can't do it in the. You know. Third or He said he wasn't
0: comfortable last year.
1: I mean, there's something to be
2: said about I know baseball players are creatures of habit, they have routines, they're weird like that. But I mean we've talked about how to construct the best lineup and it's having your best hitter at two. And Charlie is our best hitter. He has been for two years now. And so putting Charlie at the leadoff spot, yes, he gets more at bats. But it's just killing our run-producing lineup. Our best run-producing lineup is Charlie two. And when Charlie consistently uh, says, he, "Bat me anywhere you want, like
0: I'll yeah, do it." And I, well, put, DJ, put DJ at first. He pushes the ball through the infield when they're not shifted towards him anyway for the double play. But, or anything. And that's the thing is DJ, DJ, If him, DJ though. could
3: pull the ball, then <laughs> or that'd be fine. But when you have a guy, or when you have one. a right-handed hitter batting second who can't pull the ball, and then you have a guy in front of him that gets on base a lot. You're going to hit the double plays. And that's why DJ hit the second most double plays of anybody last year because he hits the ball to the right side of the infield, which turns a double play every time.
2: You know, I'm looking at this uh, splits versus lefties. Versus lefty, uh, DJ had almost a 30% pull percentage, whereas versus righties, he had a 19 So he seems to maybe so it's like, see the yeah, ball, seeing the ball He sees the ball better versus lefties. And so he can start his swing quicker because we've talked about how his swing is slower than some other guys. He can start his swing quicker because he's seeing that ball better. DJ is just so easily shifted that when you
3: have, yeah, when you have a Charlie who's getting on base so often, it it's just, you're losing so much offense by getting Charlie on base and then having DJ ground into a double play.
0: Yeah. One of our other, um, good guys who could hit lefties pretty well was actually Pat Vileka, who hopefully will come back in one piece. His, uh, weight run created was 125 with a three to nine Woba. Um, OPS is 9.39. I mean, back in the day, like, seven, six podcasts ago or something, we were thinking, like, a Vileka, McMahon. We were hoping, now, yeah, we
3: were kind of on that train. I guess that we should say really quick, I don't know if we've ever mentioned it, but when you're talking about OPS, um, is an easy stat, too, just because it's on base percentage plus slugging percentage. And OPS is a really easy stat to use uh, if you are... If your OPS is a 1,000, you can consider that like an A+. You can just look at it it's like any of your papers that got graded in high school. That if you have a 1,000, it's an A+. If you have a 900 or above, it's an A. If you have a 800 or above, it's a B. 700 or above is a C. So pretty easy um, stat to quickly digest and, and see how a guy
2: is doing. Speaking of which, Chris Iannetta lefties last year, 967 OPS. So there you go. There's an A. Uh,
3: an interesting stat I saw with lefties was was cargo last year. Um,
2: oh, we want to talk
0: about well, that. So oh, I thought we were just going to leave it. So,
3: so it was kind of a it's kind of a weird one though because cargo last year against left-handed hitters when he was at home had a 904 OPS. So against left-handed hitters at Coors Field, cargo had a 904 OPS, which we just said, so that's an A. Cargo against left-handed hitters on the road had a 284 OPS. So that's Which like yeah, you flunked out. You, a you a flunked small. out of college at that point.
0: That negative fifty weight runs created plus away versus lefties. Uh, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, we just leave them
3: at home. It's bad. Yeah, if Cargo can hit lefties at Coors, Cargo can't hit lefties anywhere else.
0: We just need very creative DL trips.
3: <laughs> the dot.
0: <laughs> it's only ten it, days right. now.
3: The Dodgers did it. <sighs>
0: um. So there's there's another point like so basically. Even though we think we're bad at hitting lefties, it really seems like it's mostly Carlos Gonzalez. <laughs> um, and we're surprisingly good at it with some of our, our lefties who can hit lefties. I just hope we construct the lineup differently and we'll see what the black does. Um, the other split we wanted to talk about was batting behind the an account and what the deal was with that. And I know that Trevor Story took a lot more pitches last year but he still was striking out a good deal and yeah i mean his best numbers
2: are when it's 0-1. i mean it progressively goes down and once it gets to one two it it takes a nosedive i mean his ops in a one two count was 475 it's his i can't stress enough i love that trevor story takes pitches because i think there's hidden value there but he tends—I feel like he tends to take too many
0: pitches. Those strikeout percentages.
3: Kyle, interest. I think you said something about looking at stats as the team for counts.
1: Yeah. So as a as a whole, hold on. Let me get back to that. I screwed it up. Um, <clears throat> Colorado batted what one sixty nine uh, with an on base of one ninety against uh, you know the O two count it was, uh, Not good. We were, was
0: hard for anybody but at the same time yeah.
1: last in the league the la- last last league
0: the,
3: yeah we've been, I mean we've made comments I think last week that um the Rockies seemed really bad when they were behind in the count and there you go there's the there's the proof of that
1: mm-hmm.
2: well and Jason you kept always talking about how we couldn't come from behind in the we, fifth inning it yeah. seems like our entire team is front runners, something something like 90
3: percent a- of Rockies games last year were decided in the fifth inning. If, if the Rockies yeah. were losing in the fifth inning, the Rockies lost. And if the Rockies were winning in the fifth inning, the Rockies won.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, uh, I don't know if that's a coaching thing or if that's a developmental thing. It was a lack. I mean, it, I think it was a, a big
3: combination of things. And one of those things being that we just didn't have a bench bat last year outside of Alexi Amarista, who... Uh, but uh, Carlos Gonzalez is going to be our bench bat. I'm as sticking long as by he's it. He's not
0: a lefty. Well, <laughs> if you put him in and then they switch to a lefty, you're like, well, okay. But
3: if it's at home we and they, were... if it's at home and they switch to a lefty, we're fine.
0: So inning <laughs> seven plus, um, the Rockies last year had an OPS of seven eleven. Nice convenience store. <laughs> it's convenient, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, average of like two fifty and on base is three eleven. Um, it was. I mean, we weren't the worst, but it just seems like. Maybe that's not the whole story. I mean, just because we're in the middle of the pack, we never came back. You know, um, if you look at Charlie
2: Blackman's splits when he's behind in the count, if they get first pitch strike on him, he's still a 121 rated, ones weighted runs, created plus, and even 2-2, he's a 90. Yeah, Black- Blackman's so, numbers are kind of across the board are pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, you think, I know 0-1's oh, not a death kneel or anything, but I know
0: it shows that once you get to 0-1, the pitcher has significant advantage. So, um, inning seven plus for pinch hitters for Colorado, we had 228 pinch hit at bats last year with 47 hits. So we batted uh, grand old 206 seventh inning on with pinch hitters. Yeah, I mean, I'd guess Pat Valica had most of those hits. Pretty much, and I mean, it's it's hard batting as a pinch hitter, but I mean, same, we're not close.
3: It's hard batting as a pinch hitter, but somebody like Valleca who knew that hit, knew his role, those guys can be good as pinch hitters because they kind of mold themselves to it. If you're a guy that's playing every single day, and then you take a day off and you pinch hit, I think it's a little bit more difficult. But if, you're prepara- if your mindset and your preparation is to be a pinch hitter, you can do well at it. And Valleca was an example of that last year. Valleca was a great pinch hitter. And actually... I don't think Am- that's all it that came. And yeah, I don't think Amarista was actually a terrible pinch hitter last year. He just didn't, Amarista doesn't have any power. So when you're coming into big pinch hitting spots, and then he hits a little dink sinkhole, it doesn't do much for the team. This doesn't do anything. It's, the it's team like for all him. the
0: because he would just pinch hit home runs all day. We were third in at bats per home run after the seventh inning, with thirty six point four at bats per home run after the seventh inning. But we still never came back.
3: It was it was a weird feeling with the Lake last year um, that he would come to the plate as a pinch hitter, and you would kind of think to yourself, all right, Blake is going to hit one out. I mean, it was not...
2: Yeah, it's... Then he would. <laughs> yeah, you It's comforting yeah. having a guy off
0: the bench that you feel can change the game and like he, that. Yeah, he was really good at that last year. But I think we're... A lot of the Rockies 2018 season depends on nobody having a slump in 2017. I mean... Yeah, I feel like our,
2: our margin for error... I feel like so us, slim. Arizona... In St. Louis, all three of those teams' margins for error. In St. Frans- San Francisco, probably more than anybody else, actually. All four of those teams' margin for error is so slim. You need to have a
0: lot go right. If any of our, like, sophomore pitchers slump, I'm not
1: confident. Yeah, I'm, I'm sophomore not, slump is a n- right. I'm not— Knock on wood. Yeah, i would I'm not really getting worried it. about—
2: I don't know if you guys are worried about Tyler Anderson or not, mm-hmm. but I'm getting a little worried about Tyler We're Anderson. I'm a little worried about
0: our entire rotation. Besides Marquez, I'm but it's really also been it's like high rotation. rotation. It's spring training. Yeah,
1: how much do you invest I know. in spring training numbers?
0: I, I. It's yeah. hard not to by this time, but you still shouldn't. For pit for yeah. pitchers, I don't put really any stock in spring training numbers. They're working like John Gray's changeup. Yeah, Power like article. Those
3: guys are out there th- trying new things, throwing different things, working short pitch counts, everything like that. I don't for pitchers. I don't put.
2: Really, any stock in spring training. um The only thing, I, the reason why I'm i'm getting nervous about Tyler is just because of his his delivery is so. You're gonna get his knee
0: messed up again. Well, it's, it's, well, it's, it's just
2: that's just like his his delivery is a lot going yeah. on. So you know, if he somehow is trying something different and he starts losing that delivery, it can go downhill fast. For and he, what he let up
3: four runs in the first inning yesterday.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say Tyler Harris is gonna be bad or anything. It's just I'm getting nervous. Well,
0: I still trust our pitching coach is a good amount, but I think um, if our if our situational batting like behind the count doesn't get better, and if we can't come from behind, I don't know if there's other like we still don't know what Dwayne Sb is helping us with or not. But there's, there's got to be some way to get these major league batters to hit better behind the counter. Well, and
3: we have we have Dwayne Espy and we have Jeff Salazar, who both had their first year last year. And last year we had one of our worst offensive seasons in a while.
0: And is that... It's like unheard of to think that the Rockies are a bad offensive they
3: team. Were the, they really. were the fourth worst offensive team last year. You have a team that played in Coors Field that was the fourth worst offensive team. And granted, a lot of that, I mean, that's ballpark adjusted. But... Even those ballpark adjustments, there's so much evidence that they don't properly adjust for Coors Field, and we were the force worth team last year.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you want to add three or four points to that way to run to create a plus number on fan graphs, it still puts you in the bottom yeah, half. Yeah, they were ter- terrible.
0: and so Well, uh, it, it doesn't seem hard to add somebody who could easily have increased that, and Carlos Gonzalez might possibly do some of that. But I'm, on his own? it's It's... You have to wonder how much of that was
3: those new hitting coaches because the team, like we talked about the team could not play from behind last year. Uh, I think I looked up their winning percentage when losing after the fifth inning. And I think there were two teams worse than the Rockies last year when losing after the fifth inning. And it was like the Phillies and another, like the white Sox, maybe two really terrible teams. And then the Rockies that somehow made the playoffs, even though they couldn't bat when they were losing. And, how much of that how how much of that cliff comes when you hired Dwayne Espy and Jeff Salazar? How much of that do you blame on them?
1: Well and part of the like the Father's Day walk off of Dolan it makes it so special is we came from behind. It never and yeah. you know, you, you know, you had Tapia get on when he needed to and that was very clutch and that allowed to have our the clutchiest player of all time, the king of clutch, Nolan Arenado come out to bat. Yeah.
0: There's this Fangraphs podcast about um, clutchiness, Clutchiness. and their argument (laughs) was that it's not exactly the at-bat that makes it clutch, because they think that every at-bat is clutch. I think it's like whether or not you're in a streak or not.
2: Uh, I mean, Fangraphs, I know analytics don't really believe in clutch, which is fine. I mean, they're more math-savvy than I am, so I'm not gonna argue with them. But I think inherently as a human being it does, but I mean, how many times, uh, I don't know how much you guys played, but I remember there was a high school basketball game, um, I got it against Bear Creek because our starting point guard got hurt, so I was playing, and they drew up a play where I was going to take the last shot, and I wanted no part of it. I was a nervous wreck the entire timeout once I heard that,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I missed the shot by a mile. That's because you, play- you were playing against Bear Creek and they got in your head yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would, I would spirit, so yeah. i just i'm telling you i would i would i know I would that drink, so i'm just talking smack <laughs> oh well, <laughs> we you want to talk? we'll get some smack later uh but yeah like I, I know analytics don't believe in it but i can tell you from personal experience being a nervous wreck the second that timeout was called and my coach said i was taking the final shot Big i knew i was gonna miss in it. your head. so the rockies it's, had five yeah. walk-off wins last year
0: um, we should have like 12 or something, I feel. Yeah,
3: looking, I guess if you go back
0: um, to... I mean, a, a, a super bullpen can give life. you the opportunity to come back, and but you have to do it yourself.
3: You Yeah, you, I mean, even if if, if if you have what we had last year, which we've, there's so much conversation that did our bullpen really get that much better, it doesn't matter how good your bullpen is if you can't score runs. So when the Rockies were down a run, they just... That was like they
0: gave up, and
3: that doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't fly.
0: So Fangraphs had splits of the leaders and clutch, according to them, and actually Melky Cabrera, who's still a free agent, is. All um, well, that a user. Yeah, Stero- do not user. say you don't know, don't say Melky
3: Cabrera just because he took Freeland's hit no hitter away from him. And I'll boo him forever for exactly,
0: <sighs> exactly. He was a clutchy as at he had like a two point oh seven, and Nato was number eight at one point five three. Um, and then you have to go down for quite a while until you see another rocky there was an article there's
3: that article that got posted to the subreddit recently about um, the comparison between Bryant and Arenado. It was on c b s sports I believe, and the conclusion of the article was that you can't really pick one or the other, but it it that yeah, article wrong. itself even talked about the clutch stats of it and how in his, what is this, Bryant's fourth year now, um, how just wildly unclutch Bryant has been his entire career Uh to the point that, you know, they talk about clutch stats would normalize over time and every player would come to a baseline and Arenado has stayed so far ahead of that baseline and Bryant has stayed so far behind that baseline that at a certain point you realize that Arenado can step up in a big position and, Crush the ball, and Bryant steps up in a big position and wimps out. And I mean, you're you're kind of getting to a point that Nolan's clutch stats are the normal, as opposed to something that's going to normalize. I mean, we Our watched it with, we, yeah, we watched it with Tulo. Yeah. Tulo was a terrible clutch hitter. Terrible clutch yeah. hitter.
2: Yeah, he just yelled at yeah. Sandy.
0: <laughs> so Blackman was seventy-one with a negative point one three, and DJ was negative point one six. And it just gets worse from there. I mean, the there were basically 60 players with a positive clutch in the major leagues. So actually, it's a lot more rare than we thought. But how not bad are you, I guess, in this sense?
3: And that's where that stat normalizes. Like you said, there were only 60 guys in the majors where you figure there are 750 players on roster. Um, figure maybe 360 of those are uh, hitters. So... 60 of those 360 hitters had a positive uh, clutch stat where, and that's why you see it normalized because it's being clutch just isn't. So, it's hard it's to hard quantify, quantify but when you to... have a Nolan who has done it for five years at a certain point, you say, all right, this guy is actually clutch as opposed to just he had an outlier of each of a season.
0: All right. Well, I think it's about all the splits we're going to do for now. Um, let's uh, take a quick break and come back with some questions from the users, alright? Alright. See you guys on the other side. And we're back on the Rockpile Talkpile. Uh, we're gonna take a third segment to talk about some of the questions people asked on the subreddit. Um, Underbubble was first asking about Cargo's signing impacting playing time for Doll, Toppy, and Para. we kind of went over this a little bit. Um, I think it's just disheartening if you're if you Doll or top you because you keep like you might be missing out on your development.
2: Yeah, and I mean, both of them said the right thing. Uh, I think it was a Thomas Harding article who said uh, you know they were happy to have him back and they like the guidance that he provides to them. But I don't know. I I just I think I said in a comment the other day that. Just pick a direction and stick with it. So either you're going to sign free agents or you're not. And I feel like re-signing Carlos and re-signing Mark Reynolds is just kind of not picking a direction. We should do the
0: same things we did last year. And it looks like we're doing it.
2: And I understand that Dahl has had his difficulties this spring, which is not surprising considering he hasn't really seen Major League Pitching in over a year. And so I I think we all kind of thought he would start the year in triple-A. What do you do if, if Dahl starts ripping the cover off the ball in triple A? If yeah, Tapia is having Para. sick you know, if if I, w- I would be fine million, if but... Yeah. I would be fine if you know Tapia is doing well at the major league level and whatever playing time he's getting. I mean, what
0: do you do then? So so Para I, It is an even you, year too, so David Dahl is gonna crush it.
3: So Parra obviously the cargo signing will impact his playing time, but we've mentioned that that even Para has acknowledged that he's a fourth outfielder this year. So I don't know how much it impacts his playing time. When you look at Dahl and Tapia, they both still have options. So they, Dahl is going to start the season in AAA. We talked about that. Um, Tapia can move back and forth, get reps in Albuquerque if he's not playing here. So Cargo's signing will impact... Toppy and Doll's playing time maybe negatively at the major league level, but because they both have options, it's not like they're going to be just riding the pine. They'll be playing baseball; it just might not be
2: always in the majors. Yeah, I could see them playing kind of like service time games with Talkman, Tapia, and Dahl. Just I kind was of hoping to see Talkman on the roster
0: for a little bit of time. He's had such he's a good spring. He's a fast guy. He's got he's been hitting okay. Yeah, he's really grown on me this year. But now I think I don't see a reason for him to be on the roster now.
2: Yeah, he's he's definitely behind Toppy and Dahl in the pecking order. I think. I think with the, we have to have the DL situation.
3: We, and when you when yeah, you talk I, about picking a direction and staying with it and signing older guys, if you look at some of the prior years, um, like 2015, the Royals obviously won the World Series, and the Royals were the fifth oldest team in baseball in mm-hmm. 2000. Um, 14, when the Giants won the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> FTG, FTG, we'll just say that. Um, I guess they were they were, they were were older than league average as well. So you have teams... The Giants are always older yeah, than league average. Yeah, but you though. have... The, it, over the past few years, with the exception of the 2016 Cubs, who were just phenomenally young, the teams that... And probably the Astros. The teams that, yeah, the Astros were young. But the teams that win the World Series uh, are typically older than league average Boston again in 2014 was the fifth oldest team in baseball. So there's the team teams that are winning the world series. uh, And you're right. The the last two years that hasn't been the case, but are teams that have young guys and then bring back their veterans as well. So it's not, it's not, it's not unheard of to have the cargos and the Reynolds on the roster and also have your young guys bouncing back and forth.
2: Well, yeah, I think you can look at the Astros too. They signed it they signed Brandon Mott or not Brandon Moss. Uh, Josh Reddick. They signed Evan Gaddett or they traded for Brian McCann. They already had Evan Gattis there. They signed Carlos Beltrán. So yeah, traded for Verlander, which it's looking is looking great right. But now. so I mean if Carlos Gonzalez could be like our version of Carlos Beltrán, who Carlos Beltrán just never really played, but he was there to kind of mentor the young guys. Is Carlos willing to do that? Who knows. But that would be kind of an interesting idea if Carlos was our version of Carlos Beltran.
1: Wasn't Carlos Beltran also real old too? See. Yeah, well,
0: yeah, he just retired. He was yeah, in he's, 40s. He's, he's he's definitely yeah. up there. It's a good way to go out, though. I mean, you can't ask for a better way.
1: And Carlos no. I mean, have-
3: and Beltran made twelve and a half million dollars for. Oh, I guess that's for the Yankees. Um, oh, for the he made more than that actually. For the Astros, they paid him sixteen million.
2: well I, uh, I mean, their payroll is
1: minuscule.
3: Still, I mean, we—if if, if, if you're talking about—if you're talking about cargo filling in a Beltran role, if he does that, we're getting cargo at half of what the Strohs paid Beltran to put up a 666 OPS last year.
2: Yeah, I mean, he was there as more of like a bench coach than a. Yeah, player. I mean, I, sh-
0: I, <laughs> cargo is like a is like a coach player.
2: Yeah, I mean, kind of. Hopefully,
0: maybe. Hopefully more players.
3: Somebody code. brought up an interesting point about Cargo with Venezuela, too. Obviously, Venezuela last year and still, I mean, not to get too political on it, but is going through some stuff. And uh, somebody mentioned that maybe Cargo, that was something in the back of his mind. You know, his family's there and he's a big pro Venezuela guy. So there were certain, I mean, it yeah, was a it, thing in the in the headlines last year that Venezuelan players had
2: Venezuela on their mind even when the season started. And you can look at across the board, Felix Hernandez, oh, rough yes. year, um, Miguel Cabrera, rough year. I mean, there was, there might be something to that. I, I don't doubt that. Some, I don't know how much, but you can look across the line of Venezuelan players and across the board, a lot of them had rough years that were not typical. Of their yeah, players. I mean, yeah, Car,
3: yeah cargo thing. was worth 5.3, um, no, 5.4 B war over his over the previous two years. And then this year fell off a cliff. And then in September, suddenly was the ninth best player in baseball. So maybe there was something on his mind. I don't know. You, just, I,
0: I am so... I not like Venezuela changed in September, though. It didn't change, but things got a little bit better. You weren't These seeing... Are, things, are, things are pretty bad still. Things but. are pretty bad, but they're not as bad as
3: they were. But uh, you, can see, you can see some of those players get better. Felix ended the year pretty well, too, didn't he? Felix Hernandez? I feel
2: like maybe. He kind of... I feel like a solid... He became King Felix again? I don't know. It's something to
3: think
0: about. Yeah, he never really became King Felix. Prince Felix. All right.
2: So um, the second question on here is from White, but pretty cool. Same (laughs) with me. Um, Why couldn't we have had both LaRue Croix and Iannetta? You guys were talking about our weaknesses behind the plate. Seems like a missed opportunity to me. It was. Um, Yeah. Like Jason said, you know, it, it might be that brightage really believes in Murphy as a uh, major league catcher uh, he's 27 now so I mean his rope he's, he's at the old. end of his rope he's yeah I mean he's at the end of his rope for me um I I've never really been a big Tom Murphy guy just because his 2015 was so bad mm-hmm. uh, remember, 20, remember 2016 so though when he came up and just yeah he went ridiculous into, I mean it's yeah. the it's the same thing I have with my skepticism with Ryan McMahon. Is he had a rough 2016 and then had a tremendous 2017 so i i i get skeptical of guys that have rough a full year rough in the minors because i'm just not sure if that's a sign of things to come or not but yes i think not signing Lucroy and ianetta is a missed opportunity i think if you had if you could split those two you know basically 81 games each You'd have Phenomenal team. a situation like the Braves have with Kurt Suzuki and Tyler Flowers, or you've had you'd have a Dodger situation with Yasmani Grandal and Barnes. Austin Barnes. I, I don't I, like. I, I think we. I had said it earlier. Would you rather spend eight million dollars for one year on Luke Roy or eight million dollars for one year on Cargo? And I, ten times out of ten, I would rather spend one year eight million dollars on Luke Roy than Cargo, and just because it, it fixes a I, weakness.
1: Yeah, it goes back to depth too, and like, because if Ionetta goes down, we our two catchers are going to be Walters and Murphy, and we tried that already, and it didn't work. It was, was terribly really bad. There's a lot
0: of weight we're putting on Tom Murphy to be the right-handed power bat.
1: Yeah, yeah that's pretty but much he, all we
0: got. He
2: has the ability to. I mean, we've seen it before. He hasn't had a good spring so he, far we, either. No, he did hit that one ball that was really hard. Yeah, he crushed him. that.
1: Yeah. Do you guys see him? On the opening day roster, or do you think it's more of a Walters-Ionetta platoon, with Ionetta taking? That's the primal, hard
0: call to make for me. I, w- I mean, I wouldn't. Walters <sighs> is a little bit ahead on average, but at the same time, Murphy's power, and neither of them are really. Walters isn't where he was framing two years ago. I don't.
2: This the ceiling on Murphy is so much higher than it is for exactly. Walters that I feel like they Bud Black's going to want him on the roster. Just because the ceiling is so much higher. And if Murphy struggles, then you can bring up Walters or Ben Boom, whatever. Or if don't we think. don't
0: have any like depth, if the lake is down and we don't have any of those who can play infield positions, you just put Walters on there.
2: Yeah, I mean, Walters can play second base if we need him to.
3: Before they signed Cargo, I wouldn't have been shocked to see three catchers on the opening day roster. Oh. I think that changes, that um, changes yeah, a lot with their signing Cargo. Night. Yeah, but.
2: it's definitely not anymore. But yeah, I, yes, I think it was a missed opportunity. So the question, there's a reply to that from Mile High
3: Magpie that says, "Why do we need Lucre and Ionetta?
2: Well, yeah, and he talks about how Lucre and his agent uh, were far apart, which clearly, yeah. we offered him three twenty one. He said no. I mean, clearly they were far apart, which is fine. I mean, when did I think a lot of players like, were things far changed apart? Changed in February. Yeah. When nothing I don't know why you wouldn't go back on February tenth and say, "Hey, look, Jonathan,
0: you're still out I think there." British has like this. Ooh issue where he's got to stick to his guns and his guns are terrible
3: but then how much yeah how much of a question though is on Lucroy's side if we offered him 321 and he was like that's insulting
0: Mm -hmm.
3: and then he's just done i mean that's that's a possibility too there you hear stories all the time of somebody being like no that's an insulting offer
2: yeah i mean i yeah i could see jeff or someone reaching out to him on february 15th and saying hey what about a one-year deal and luke gray said no yeah you it's totally you possible. Are, yeah you already well
1: then he takes a deal the with athletics. the A's that is less yeah that are, was less because that that 321 would have got him seven million dollars a year mm. but now he's taken what 6.5 so i mean it's not huge but still that's you know but at that but at that point time, but at yeah. that
3: point he's making The gamble—he already made one gamble by turning down three twenty-one. So there's at that point, it's—I mean—you're at the sunk cost fallacy that you might as—he's riding it out. So he's just saying, "I'm going to take the six and a half and see what I get again next year." So,
2: I mean, he's going to get consistent playing time with the A's, right? And the A's are going to be sneaky good. So,
0: well, they're they're sneaky good, and then there's like you're on a team with Nolan Arenado, who just finally made the playoffs. Like, there's nobody else like Nolan Arenado right now. Why would you want to be a part of the Rockies? which is a terrible argument but it's still a great argument. It's still I love the argument.
3: I don't know. I I, I think I, I don't I can't be mad at McCray for that. I, I think I think I think, I think he overplayed I think he overplayed his hand and that I feel like that sucks for him, but I'm not upset at him for doing so.
0: There's just so Speaking. many gambles the Rockies are taking mm. on on young guys mm. who are getting older who either Need to take a step forward and can't because they're blocked or aren't taking steps forward at all.
2: Speaking of Jonathan Lucroy, you want to answer that, or you want to do that question from Legacy with his Lucroy flair that he's sad to give up? <laughs> oh,
3: poor
0: Legacy.
2: Evan. So Legacy3233
3: asked Would love to hear your thoughts on Holland and Lucroy turning down hefty contract offers with the Rockies only to remain unsigned or taking a one year deal elsewhere. Even Cargo turned down a big offer last year, only to take a one-year contract late in the offseason this year. Myself, Hashtag I, collusion. Well, it's just, this is, it's a it's a weird, it's a really, really weird year. It doesn't, like Lance Lynn taking one year $10 million doesn't make sense. What Moose got doesn't make sense. He's making less than he got paid in arbitration. Um, Holland still being onside doesn't make sense. Luke Roy only getting 6500000 million doesn't make sense. There's a lot about this offseason that is like, it's so unpredictable. If you told me Cargo, even with the bad year that he had last year, if you told me Cargo would take a one-year, $8 million deal, I would have told you, you like, you're off your rocker.
0: But here yeah, we are. The, the interesting thing is next year's free agent class is going to be crazy. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. Bryce Harper will be a free agent technically. Manny Machado, Charlie Black, Hershaw, Josh Donaldson.
3: So we fall into the trap next year, though, that we did this year, that everybody said, "All right, when Shoei Otani picks a place, then the rest of the Domino's will fall, and then they didn't. And, alright, when J.D. Martinez picks a place, the rest of the Domino's will fall, and then
0: J.D. Martinez... There wasn't anything exciting except for J.D. Martinez.
1: Well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too, is that, because you had not really, like, A-A-plus player, like Bryce Harper, because... I mean, Shoei Osani is nice, but, you know, who knows what you're really going to get from him. And, you know, the book is written on all of these guys, on J.D. Martinez and Mike Moustakis and stuff like that. So, you know, it, I feel like we're getting to a point where it's super analytic um, driven, where, like, you can say you can't like Scott Boris can't go up into, you know, the Boston and say, oh, he's got a great defense because they're going to know. No, he was terrible in defense last year.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure all these teams have access to analytics that we would only dream of seeing. So I don't want to say that they're wrong in looking at some of this stuff, but I mean, the fact that Greg Holland has not signed a contract yet is astounding to me. I know his second half was not... Great, but you can attribute that to coming back from Tommy John surgery and getting just worn out. Look at how many innings he pitched the first half of the year. And it's almost like Bud Black threw him into the ground. His
3: August wasn't great. But he was decent in July and he was good again in September. Like he had an off month and he yeah, he still hasn't signed a contract. And then you talk you talk about the analytics thing, and there's so many places that value one war at eight million dollars, and now you have guys that put up two war, three war like that last year who are signing for $5 million.
0: Uh, the con- the contracts this offseason... So strange. They
3: haven't made any sense.
0: They. We could have gotten both Duda and Lomo for the cost of Carlos Gonzalez. Not that it would make any sense, but then we wouldn't have... Who is, we would have a first baseman. Who was the player want-
3: that uh, even, I think, tweeted out interesting that all these players are suddenly signing the same contract, the same one-year contract? And they were
2: alluding towards collusion with their tweet I mean Kenley Jansen has been pretty outspoken about the players needing to do something it Kenley got his money I mean I think he signed for like 95 million last well, that's year good so that he's up I think him. it's well I think it's interesting that a guy who signed a monster deal is coming out going hey something's, something's not going on right and at the, the MLB PA has been regarded for a long time as
3: one of the stronger unions in professional sports and this year they're
1: they're just—they're just, getting
3: worked over by the owners. It seems like,
1: yeah. I think and that there's
2: no way they get a new head. Just
0: less than like four.
2: Yeah, there was that Justin Upton interview on the Athletic that I read, um, and Justin talks about how when. When he envisioned free agency, it was teams telling him, hey, we want you because of X, Y, and Z, when in reality, every team was calling him saying, hey, your defense is bad. You're bad against right-handers. Uh, sign this one-year that's deal. That's exa- like everything's in
0: arbitration now.
3: That's, that's yeah. exactly who the player was that called it out for collusion. That, there you yeah, go. That was and, Justin Upton. And, that's who it was.
2: Yeah. And Justin Upton got his money. He's gotten his money twice over. But he's he gave an insightful interview that I thought was really interesting where he's sitting there saying – Every team bashed me. The reason I signed with the Tigers last year was because they were the only team who didn't say anything negative about me. And then you're sitting – you talk about that saying things negative.
3: You hear those stories of guys coming out of uh, arbitration who – they basically go into arbitration so they can listen to their team, tell them all the reasons they're terrible. Right. Yeah. There's a – Marcus Stroman, Yeah. So yeah. that's something that we'll, we'll probably see change as well because you – I mean that – if, cool imagine if, imagine if you, went, imagine if you in went into your, you asked your boss, hey, I want a raise and your boss said, okay, I'm going to give you a raise and I'm going to give you a 5% raise and I would give you 10%, but this, 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 this. You'd walk out of that meeting yeah. like, oh my gosh, this person doesn't even like me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like you'd m- walk
2: out and say, do my value. Yeah. This
3: company? And this That's is something that
0: motivational interview. Right.
3: And this is something that those young players go through on a yearly basis with their teams.
0: So basically, we just need more like optimism and, you know, puppies and rainbows in in free agent signing. Well, it'll
3: be. I think John agrees that we're heading towards a possible strike or a possible lockout of work stoppage of some sort, uh, which is so scary to say, but it looks like we're going that way. And I wouldn't be surprised if a point of contention in the CBA is. Arbitration and the current process kind of. It'd not be nice being if good.
0: there was like one or two teams who are like, hey, we're the nice team, sign with us. But then,
3: like. Didn't the, Rock, <laughs> didn't, didn't the Rockies try that with you have to be Christian? Yeah. Uh,
0: Christianity. Is the yeah. Only one. Yeah, that's not I don't think we played hard enough that year. <laughs> yeah. um, I think we got one last question from LaTrout. Uh, is story really on the upswing from last season or are we witnessing a bit of a tease? Projections on Story's story this season.
1: God, I hope so.
0: <sighs> I think we all. Kyle, hope so. we got.
1: I, you know, I could see the the sophomore slump being like the cause of why he didn't do so well last year. And like, if you look at you know Story's you know short career compared to the beginning of. Tulo's career, they're very comparable and like they had a stellar rookie season and then drop off in their sophomore year. And so and then, you know, Tulo was, you know, at one point in his career, like one of the better players in the league if he wasn't so goddamn injury prone. I mean, he was he was the best
2: shortstop for a five year stretch, even though he missed all those games. I mean, it was it was it was Troy Tulewitzki, sometimes Hanley Ramirez and then nothing.
0: I'm going to stick my old argument of stories pitches per plate appearance going up. Um, I think that's what he needed to do last year. That's why he may have taken a step back. Is he just said I need to just see more balls and I need to see more balls in plate appearances? And now he's killing it in spring training. I mean, was like oh, it was like 1.5 or something. OPS? He's got he
3: currently has a 1.689 OPS. Jesus. Now that's all. That's only right. three seventeen at bats.
0: So it's right. Green salt. Um, so here's some projections from fan graphs, from depth charts, steamer fans and zips they're all seeing about like a uh about like a two twenty to two thirty iso and like about an eight hundred ops um and they all seem as a worse than average player at around ninety Wait wait yeah, I created. mean. A lot
2: of his value last year came from his defense. Um, I uh, probably the only reason why he was above replacement level was his defense. So if he can carry that along, um, he'll always be a valuable piece for us, just because he's got that power and he's got that defense. And you know, I mean, Zips has him as an 86 weighted runs created plus, which would be an improvement from last year, um, but a certain downgrade from his rookie year of 122. But who's to say if he would have played more than, what, 97 games, he wouldn't have gone down. But uh, Story's always going to be valuable just because of his defense and because of his power. Um, He may not be the best player in the world, but you don't necessarily need to Kyle, you raise an interesting point that I had not really paid attention to before,
3: but you're not wrong about Tulo having a sophomore slump as well. So Tulo in 2007 put up 6.8 war. In 2009, he put up 6.5 war. 2010, he put up 6 war. 2011, he put up 6 war. In 2008, his sophomore season, he put up 0.8 war. So his sophomore season is surrounded by four seasons of over 6 war. And he kind of screwed the pooch in in his sophomore season. So maybe Story can have a bounce back year. Maybe that really was just a sophomore slump. He's only
0: 25.
3: Yeah, he's a young guy. Tulo's uh, sophomore season, he was 23. So, I mean, there's some... And he has plenty valuable. of time
0: until Rogers comes up. I, I don't want another shortstop for the Rockies besides Trevor Story this year and maybe next year. And... I mean... We've
2: talked about it. Rogers is slated to be the second baseman, mm, almost assured. Yeah, Lemahieu. Is, somebody
3: said something about well, what, you have a log jam, too with Lemahieu. Lemahieu's not going to be—he's not going to be a Rockies free yeah.
2: next year.
3: He's not in our future yeah. plans. Well, you know, I, I Jeff
0: mean, British does like bringing people back, so
2: yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> I, I'll be interested to see what DJ gets next year, whether it's re-signing by us or signing elsewhere. He can go back to the Cubs for a million dollars. I. Th- <laughs> Yeah, so he could be Javi Baez. And
3: I think he signs elsewhere, but that's a you raise a good point that I was thinking about that the other day. I don't know where he signs or even how much he gets.
2: Yeah, I mean, if the analytical community looks at if that's what the front offices are moving towards, you've got a guy whose defense, I know he won a gold glove last year, but his defense has kind of been slowly declining. He's a singles hitter. Can't believe ball. Has, I think he was like the second or third
3: best second
0: base in the league last year, wasn't he? Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> it's like, he's a terrible guy, but he was the second or third best second baseman. As far as... I mean, second base is so a weird la- position. Just well, so because, last
3: year he was. 2016, his defense declined significantly, and then last year it seemed to bounce back.
2: Yeah, I, I think it, his range is the thing that has stayed... Um, he's a long guy. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he's always going to have a decent range just because of how long he is, but his first step is... Starting to get a little behind. Just, there. Yeah, six, five, ideally six, five for basement. me,
0: we, ideally for me, we find a way to trade Ian Desmond for some peanuts, <laughs> Sign Washing something, machine. Something. Sign some kind of actual first baseman unless Brian Mundell becomes out of nowhere or like Cort- Colton Welker comes out of nowhere and just becomes what we need him to be, and then scoot McMahon over to second until Rogers is available. And then see what happens from then. Just going back to what
2: uh, uh, Jason said by FanGraphs, War Wins Above Replacement DJ was the sixteenth best second baseman by Ah, but what, what wins, above uh, ref- wins Above Replacement? I, I guess I was just talking yeah. about his fielding only. Oh my bad, that's my bad. I think I think, as a, you, uh, got a, I think you got you got a factor in the Corey shield. shield. Yeah, uh, by D War he was fifth. fifth. Behind Jose Ramirez, Yulmer Sanchez, <laughs> Ian Kinsler, and D Gordon. Okay, so. So he's still, I mean. And D. Gordon's no longer a second baseman. Right. Do we have and any D-
0: reports about how McMahon's doing at first? Like, is our defense at first base, is it okay
2: right yeah. now? That's yeah, what I've been hearing. Yeah, Ryan's, I mean, he's a converted third baseman.
1: He's fine. I, I think there was a, a Denver Post article about how he is, like, I don't know. He's taken the position really well. Let's see, if
3: I, can I find think, it. um. I saw something from there was a guy tweeting about the Rockies game the other day who is a scout but not a scout affiliated with any baseball team specifically just a guy that works in scouting uh, and something he mentioned with um, Talking Stick is that they have a lot more analytical stuff there like the pitch tracking is better and everything like <laughs> that yeah new. so you can get better defensive metrics when they're at Talking Stick Now, the hard part then is finding those defensive metrics because I think it's something that maybe scouts and the organizations and things like that have access to, but it's really difficult to find online for spring training defensive analytics.
2: And it's such a tiny
3: such series. a tiny sample right. size, yeah. Which as I don't know if people know, but defensive analytics usually grade out over like a few years, not even a f- not a few games or even. a I season. I mean, the chances yeah, you get you, for you want, a play, you want
2: at bet, at worst, you want yeah. two seasons. I mean, that's at, that's the lowest
3: you want. So it's yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's tough to get a real idea, but supposedly, Talking Stick is at the forefront of of some of that analytical stuff.
0: I mean, say you had like a team have like forty at bats in a game or something. Or or like forty five, and you've got nine position. Well, it's not always going to go to the same guy every single time. There might be a couple of games where you don't see anything. It's possible.
2: Yeah, I think Ryan will be do fine for. I don't. I'm not worried about his. I'm worried about his hitting against left handed pitching. That's yeah. what I'm worried about with Ryan
1: McMahon. Well, As per Denver Post, um, and this is coming from Bud Blackie he Said he looks comfortable. Even some of the feeds he's making, uh, the dishes to the pitchers covering are re- relatively smooth and then it looks natural for him
3: so black is happy with his first base yes which is something that i mean I, I guess we've been we were so spoiled at first base by helton even if helton's glove did fall off those last like five seasons or so um but if if you can have if we can have just a Solid first baseman over there. I think all of us would be happy as long as the guy can hit. Which McMahon, so far, is yeah, he's, he's on a, fire yeah. this spring. His every time he's come up to the bigs, he's tanked. But
0: hopefully, that won't happen this year. We'll see. There's there's a lot of bets um, we got to make, and I think maybe next time or. Um, Next time or the following time we'll we'll do like an official kind of projections thing since we'll have like a decent amount of spring training in.
3: We have to mention I have to mention one guy from spring training, and his name is Max George. And he he's a second baseman and he's had one he's had one at bat and he hit a home run in that one at bat. And yeah, the only reason we have to mention him is because he went to Regis High School. So you gotta mention the hometown boy hitting a home run is only at bat.
0: There you go. Um, are there any other real surprises in spring training that we missed in the last week?
2: I don't know if you guys have looked at Yancey Almonte's numbers for this spring, but he is just killing me. Well, until... He yeah, got, rough,
3: got roughed up yesterday.
2: Yeah. Well, I thought about this on Friday. <laughs> <so> <laughs> forgive me. So you jinxed it is what you're and saying. I was busy watching Nebraska <laughs> score 23 That's runs. Yeah, so you got to double and
0: jinx yourself.
2: <laughs> but yeah, look at... I. I don't think Yancy makes the twenty-five man, but man, he, he is really making a case to do so. And same with Jairo Diaz; he's making a case to make Diaz the 20- him over Oberg, over Estevez or Oberg.
0: is it and it Diaz?
3: Estevez. It seems like every year we say to ourselves, Diaz is this is the year that Diaz makes it. So is this finally the year that Diaz makes it? I mean, twenty fifteen, he was really oh, good. This is the injury, had Tommy John surgery. Yeah. He just stayed back and forth. So, and, and you know, another guy that stayed hot—that I we mentioned him last week. We mentioned every time we've mentioned him, he stayed hot. So we have to mention him again this week. Is Sam Hilliard, who?
2: Yeah, I think Jason's got a nice little prospect. Yeah, he, I,
3: that's that's my guy right now. He still has Sammy. an o, he still has an OPS over a thousand. He had a walk off hit the other day.
2: Um He he stayed good. We have to keep talking about him. Yeah, Sam, if
0: you hear this, um we love you. You should be on our podcast. Because Jason will fan out, yeah. maybe. Well, we're also waiting for Mike Talkman to accept an invitation, so, so have, we, can we call it the rock, rock pile, Talkpile. Right. Talk <laughs> Talkman, please. I, I think we have like we have so many outfielders that have so much skill, but there was somebody saying earlier like how why are you guys valuing all these mediocre prospects and like yeah, Hugo Hackenbush. I think I understand it. Uh, I don't. I
2: do fall in love with prospects really easily. I know that's kind of a thing for me. I fell in love with Garrett Hampson, mm-hmm. Colton Welker, Yancy. Everyone's got a high ceiling until proven Ryan otherwise. Castellini, Antonio Sensatella. I mean, I Rival can go Tapia. on and on. All the, going all the do way you back, like to a you.
0: notebook with hearts in it.
2: <sighs> yeah, my first one was Ian Stewart. So oh, that was a rough. That
3: was a rough time. John has a big notebook that says John Stewart, and it's all surrounded in hearts.
2: <laughs> Like <laughs> I'm telling game. you, I love. I do fall in love with prospects, so I understand uh, someone saying that we love prospects too much. Probably because
0: I talk about. Them yeah, it's a lot. it's all John's. That's why you're here, but that's one but of the best. Think- that's
3: one of the best parts of baseball is you don't watch you don't watch the Nuggets and think to yourself like, oh, this D League guy is going to be huge. You don't Malik mm-hmm. Beast. yeah. You don't watch the you don't watch the Broncos that way. You do a little bit, I suppose, with Sunshine, hockey, I guess. But with baseball, one of the fun parts about baseball is thinking to yourself like, uh, next year this cat's going to be tearing it up. It's a fun part I of the just, sport.
0: Ace. I like having speaking a of the ads, spot aren't they in the playoffs somebody. now? you know that's the issue that i have with this week is i like having a roster spot for the guy who could have a really high ceiling and then if he gets some playing time in the major leagues he can keep getting more and more and more and then there's just a couple less spots available yeah i i don't i think poop.
3: prospects make baseball fun
0: prospects i love make prospects. baseball fun i think i think that's that's the word prospects make ba- baseball fun um, Kyle thanks for joining us
1: Thanks for Thanks. having me. That was awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, we'll see y'all uh, next week um, on the Rock Pile Talk Pile. Hopefully it'll be the Rock Pile Talkman Pile next week. Oh, someday. Someday. Uh, please.
3: <laughs> we got to find a way to get Hilliard in there. Right. Uh, if we could just get like a whole car wash of people, that'd be a sweet. A
0: car wash <laughs> of
3: people. That's the first time I've ever heard that term used. What the, a car wash of people? Do you think if I, do you you think know, if I Googled car wash of people, it would come up?
0: It's gonna be like a literally car wash filled with people. <laughs> right. Is there like a premium yeah. one and like a like super deluxe one? It's gonna be something. Like we only pay for premium. <laughs> we get like like uh, forest wall or something. And then if we get like super extreme, we'll get.
2: <laughs> no, ESPN when they have like all those coaches on for like a quick rapid interview, and they go through a bunch of shows. They call it the car wash. That's what if
3: you from. Google car wash of people and you put it in quotation marks, so literally only the term car wash of people comes up. Skippy's car wash in Fort Lee, New Jersey comes up, and then Skippy's car wash in Fort Lee, New Jersey comes up again, and it comes up because it's the car wash of the people. But car, oh, car wash of nice. people doesn't car wash people Skippy. doesn't come up. So what what? <laughs> John just coined you could a new just term. like
0: dress up like John Gray in like a sponge. Just have him wear all sponges, and then use him as the sponge for the car wash—the car wash of people.
3: John would go to that. John yes. would go to that car wash every single day. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: would. I have a new car wash that just opened up down the street. You just go
0: there. Well, John
3: just coined a new term: car wash of people. Yes. Car wash of people.
0: All right. <laughs> well, uh, this car wash of people is going to sign off. All right. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a good week, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs>